And we are rolling. We are back, pitching a contact, wrapping things up after Game 5 of the World Series. My name is Rich. As always, I'm, do- I'm joined by Peyton Trawick. Peyton, how's it going, my man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing okay, dude. Um, just got home. It's clo- it's past midnight now. I got myself a Monster Energy drink. So uh, we should be good to roll now, man. I'm probably not going to sleep after this, man. Yeah, well, that makes one of us. It's going to be a, a quick turnaround to bedtime after this. Really? Uh, you, this is actually a dope, dope new flavor that uh, we have with Monsters and, in Canada. Do you drink any? Do you drink energy drinks down there? I do. I drink a lot of them. That's, how, that's what uh, keeps me going. Are you a Monster guy or Red Bull, Rockstar? I am a Monster guy. Uh, I like the, I, can't, I don't know what the flavor is, but the ones that come in the solid white cans, those are my favorite okay do you do you know um the dragon tea it's new it has like a pink um, dragon on it I, I, oh is it like a pink can or just a pink dragon no it's like a white can with a pink dragon i don't it i can't say badass. that I've seen it. it looks badass so i was at, at a convenience store a couple of days ago and um i'm looking for an energy drink and i usually go for rock stars but then i see this one and it has a dragon on it like a fucking dragon so i i come up to the i grab it i come up to the convenience store desk and i'm like oh i've never seen this one before and they're like oh it's new i'm like oh let's let's fucking go hopefully it's gonna make me feel like a dragon after i drink it and honestly it tastes amazing well did it make I you love- did it make you feel like a dragon i think that's the oh, most, I, most important i felt thing. like a, I felt like a dragon like five minutes after like downing one of these i felt like garrett cole on pitch 101 throwing 100 yeah, that, I noticed that whenever I was watching the game live. That was incredible. Yeah, how nuts is that? I don't know how that's humanly possible. And he's like, he's not jacked. He has a dad bod. Yeah, dude, he's incredible, man. Do you, uh, yeah. well, we'll get to that. I'm not even going to ask that question yet. We'll get to it. But yeah, I, uh, we're yeah, going to get to like nice talk about back outing. Oh, yeah. You know what's, you know what's funny? Um, we're going to record a podcast, I think, after game two. And then we both got home and we're like, okay, we're too tired to do this. Um, we'll just do it another time. It's funny because our, like, this episode could have been so completely different if we recorded after game two. Oh, 100%. Like, after game, after game two, like, we were thinking that it's, it's over. Jesus Christ, what's going on? The Nats are destroying the Houston Astros. And that's what we were going to talk about, how the Nats are just destroying the Houston Astros. And then... Three games later, we're talking about how the Houston Astros are a game away from clinching their second World Series title in the last three years. Yeah. That's kind of nuts. Yeah, dude, it would have been completely different. And, and, and I was thinking about that before we started, just kind of thinking mm-hmm. about like just how different the series has been since it got back yeah. to Washington. And I feel like our our takes now uh, on how the series is going for both teams respectively is completely different yeah. than what it would have been four four days ago. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have no idea what's going to happen. No I, clue. At I this point, I just give up. I, I think, think I kind of know what. You think it's going to go seven? I think it will. Okay, like I, I'm leaning towards Game Six, Houston winning, but I'm very open to a Game Seven. But honestly, I don't even know how things are going to shake out anymore because after Game Two, I was, I was thinking i think houston can still find a way to climb back because i really really like houston 
because they're just stacked wherever you look. Mm-hmm. But Washington just looked so good. And they're just, it seemed like they're, I don't really believe in this, but they just seemed like the team of destiny. Like everything was going their way. Like, yeah. they do they wear their navy blue jerseys and they were like 8 and 0 wearing those jerseys and one of the worst bullpens. And yet suddenly everything comes together. They come back in the wild card game after being tra- after trailing all game. They they come back against the Dodgers after trailing all game in game five, and then s- they just come in and just destroy the St. Louis Cardinals and come come to the World Series, new kids on the block, and just destroy the Houston Astros on the road. And you're like, okay, this team is like the team of destiny, and then everything just goes to waste. It seems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the series has been really incredible to watch uh, because it seems like there's really only been one, even I'll say remotely close game where the game actually felt close, and that was game yeah. one. Um, yeah. But other game than that, two like, as well until everything just exploded in the sixth or seventh inning. Yeah. Game game three wasn't that bad, but you just kind of felt that Houston was kind of all over that from the get go. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think they got two runs early in the ball game, and they kind of. They kind of never really able to Washington was never really able to get anything going up until, you know, I think they started. They got a couple runners on late, but other than that, they never really felt close. And the game four and five never, never really right. did anything. So, right. So also, question: What's the deal with Kurt Suzuki? I know he hurt himself in game four. I think it was. Is uh, he just is he done for the series? Is that? I, think, I don't really know what happened. I haven't seen anything. Um, I think it was a hip. Because he went mm-hmm. to go block that ball, and he was kind of yeah. limping a little bit. And I think he got pitch hit for. So, but I yeah. think it was a hip when he tried to make that block off. It was going to his right. You know, if you look at the TV, it was going right. to So, so is it pretty much confirmed that Young Gomes is going to be playing Game Six? Uh, since I don't know, since he caught tonight, I would probably say yes because usually he's only Patrick Corbin's guy. So I would say more than mm-hmm. likely, unless it's just like a bone bruise, and I bet another day and some treatments I'm, he mm-hmm. might be able to get back out there for game six but i also don't know the extent of the injury so yeah because i don't know if you looked at um kurt suzuki's stats against justin verlander but when kurt suzuki faces verlander he's it's his, he's pretty much like mike trout yeah yeah like his so now it's game six if kurt suzuki doesn't play you just go from mike trout in the in the batting order to young gums which i mean isn't really good for um and an elimination game, if right, you want. Right, no, not good, not, especially for Verlander. Yeah, and Verlander has also kind of been struggling in these playoffs. I, what, I think his ERA is north of four, um, getting hit around a little bit, one and four, but a winning, win-loss record doesn't mean anything. Um, right. But, you know, so I'm kind of expecting Verlander to have a big bounce-back game in game six, but, you know, it's baseball, and it's... I mean, this series, anything can happen at this point. That's what it just feels like right now. Yeah, and you know, and I was going to break that up, uh, kind of get your thoughts on going before we, well, actually, well, I'll bring this up, and we can kind of touch back on it here in a little bit, because I think we'll sure. probably go through games one through five before we look ahead to six and seven. But I know, I we're just thinking. backwards. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're so right, dude. <laughs> but I, I was suck. just kind of curious, looking ahead here, just – what your thoughts were on the game six matchup, you know, and how, how the starters kind of line up for each team. But we, we can get back on that. But that was going to be one of my points of Verlander, uh, especially whenever I was going to pick it to go to seven, um, just kind of how he's pitched at this point and really how well the Nationals have been able to barrel the ball up against him as well. So we don't, mm-hmm. I, haven't, 
I don't have the numbers pulled up right in front of me on the barrel percentages and all that kind of stuff, but um, mm-hmm. he hasn't fared well. Yeah, and the thing, um, something I noticed today uh, while watching Game 5 was in Garrett Cole's first game against the Nationals, he threw a lot more fastballs, and I think uh, tonight most of the outs were recorded on breaking pitches, mm-hmm. and the Nats are they're a fastball-hitting team. So I'm guessing the plan was to just pound more breaking balls against them. Um, you saw the adjustments they made against Juan Soto um, after games one and two to pitch him inside um, up and in. So I think I think that's going to be a similar adjustment that Justin Verlander is going to have to make. So maybe mm-hmm. throw more breaking stuff, uh, keep, keep hitters off balance with guys like nah, Juan Soto just to try to pound them inside so they don't have to they don't extend their arms and so that's kind of what I'm expecting from Verlander I like I'm pretty certain he's going to be able to bounce back after game two because game two he was also not bad even you know I he only gave up three runs I think he lasted until the seventh inning I think it was you know mm-hmm. yeah so. no it, it wasn't bad it just it just wasn't the outing you were expecting, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that was one thing everybody was kind of looking at, especially going into that'll be say Sunday. So Tuesday, um, you know, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to, you know, get ahead and miss barrels? Cause I think, I think for me personally, the, the big thing I worry about is as I'm, as I'm trying to pull these numbers up here, um, sorry, I'm working on it. Um, Oh, oh no, dude, take your time, man. Hey, we have all the time in the world. It's our pod. We can stall all we want. I'm just gonna keep down in my monster drink. Um, yeah. Anywho, while you look while you look those up, how how was your night? Man, oh, it's been good. I um, I, I, it's been good. Yeah, I spent most most of the day uh, watching some sports, getting ready for the game today. Uh, did some homework. Had a basketball broadcast today for my other job. So. Been applying for a lot of internships. I think I've applied for like 15 at this point. Been sending out follow-up emails and all kinds of stuff. Dude, I'm, so. right, I'm right there with you, dude. And yeah, just watch a lot of football. Very disappointing football day for me. It yeah. was very rough, dude. I assume you're Carolina plus, dude, Carolina plus 5.5 looked so bad Like after the first five minutes of that Carolina-San Francisco game. Oh, did it? <laughs> Oh, it, it did I not look good. I didn't see how that one went. Oh, it's it was a fifty-one thirteen final for San Francisco. They're up like twenty-one to three in like the first ten minutes of the game, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going well. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a rough go. Like that ruined a lot of things for me. Tampa Bay ruined a lot of things for me because they blew a lead in with like five minutes left. Uh, the Jets, yeah. I, it, today was rough. Today was a very, very rough day. I was also at my buddy's engagement party. And um, I'm not the most religious dude, and it was a very, very religious engagement party. And it was I just felt so out of place. It was super awkward. Yeah, so I, I assume, one, you didn't get your payout, and two, the uh, the party went late because you said you were just now heading home right before we recorded this. No, so the party was actually, so it was supposed to be two to five. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we went there and we stayed for like 30 minutes. We didn't stay long at all because first of all, oh, wow. my girlfriend's uh, my girlfriend's not Jewish and it's a very, very Jewish occasion. And it was 
it was just weird because like she was she stood out like a sore thumb and i'm just like okay this this feels awkward and then like the rabbi came in and that's when i knew i was like okay let's go 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 this is not our scene so we got out of there we went we went out for sushi um so that was fun and then uh what i was doing the past like three four hours was i was helping my parents out at work um and uh watching the game at at their at their place like on my iphone so you know nice well there you go i've uh i've got i've got some of these numbers pulled up so it looks like it looks like verlander only gave up it was six balls that were hitting 90 mile an hour plus um Mm -hmm. and one of them being the home run that kurt suzuki hit uh in the seventh so i mean it's not it's not like it's a lot of hard contact but he's definitely like i'm looking at the the locations on all these pitches a lot of them are middle you know so he's not hitting the spots very well so i think it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back and uh Mm -hmm. you know and be able to make these and execute these pitches especially like high leverage moments especially Mm -hmm. considering the workload he's had thus far and you know because he really hadn't looked the same since he came in i believe it was on the game on short rest in the alcs yeah yeah so yeah, he hasn't yeah. really looked the same since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems like with Verlander that um, fatigue is also starting to set in, which you would think it would be. It's been a long season. He's logged in a lot of innings through a lot of stressful pitches, and but I, I just I just think that I th- I think they could um, I think Verlander can put together one good out one last good outing. And I think he's going to have to because if uh, my feeling is if Houston doesn't win game six, uh, game seven is going to be pretty scary because uh, Zach Greinke is kind of I, I I tweeted out. Did you see my tweet on uh, after Zach Greinke's um, outing a couple of days ago? Ah, uh, man, I, the, I see a lot the, of tweets. <laughs> the, the one with the Super Mario video. Oh, like no. Super Mar- oh, you. Oh, that's a awesome tweet dude go to my like twitter profile and watch watch that tweet but like zach Granke was just playing or playing with fire all night long just like digging himself into a hole somehow climbing out of it right i just don't think that he's gonna get that lucky a second time no and i don't think so either you know so i think houston has to close it out in game six because if they don't i think I don't know. I'm gonna. I would have a short leash, leash on Granky in uh, Game Seven. I think Garrett Cole's gonna have to pitch like an inning in Game Seven. So, and I th- you also I have think... to remember if if uh, Max Scherzer, you know, if his neck is back up. I know he got an ejection today. He got scratched from his start. Mm-hmm. Um, if, yeah. if he's able to go, like that's a tough matchup for Granky. Mm-hmm. Like that really yeah. is. I mean, I mean Scherzer. You know, he's had his moments in the postseason where he hasn't looked very good. But I mean. Game seven of a World Series. I mean that that's a that is a high leverage moment, and yeah. um, I really think that I don't see Scherzer letting that get to him. Uh, the only mm-hmm. thing I worry about with Scherzer is you know he's always super high. He's not a very even keel kind of guy, so I do yeah. kind of worry about not the moment getting to him, like just the magnitude of it, but like him being too revved mm-hmm. up just because he yeah. knows the moment's big. Not that yeah. it'll rattle, just but just mm-hmm. that he just tries to overdo it, overthrow some fastballs, and you know then they're yeah. good hit. They're not going to miss a fastball middle middle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but he has to he has to definitely get his neck in this trap, right? Um, if uh, 
Just a suggestion for the Nationals. Uh, Robert Kraft knows this really, really nice massage parlor. <laughs> um, so, the, the, you know, the, yeah, they can fix it up real quick, man. So if the Nats need something, that's the guy they got to go for because, I mean, Max Serger sounds like he just sounds like he needs a new pillow. Like He, he uh, seems like he had a really rough sleep, man. We well, all have those. He said that he's pitched through a lot of injuries, but he couldn't even get himself dressed this morning. I believe was the quote yeah. he used at his media appearance yeah. today. Wow. It's funny because I feel like I, f- I felt the same way Max Scherzer, Scherzer did uh, this morning because like a couple days ago. Um, so I have this goal. This, probably one of the, my biggest life goals right now is to throw 70 miles per hour off a mound. Oh, so okay. I, I started um, doing a weighted ball program um, at, at BDG. So whenever I'm not doing any um, art stuff and pitch design stuff, I'm just like training with weighted ball stuff and lifting. Um, and like a day after I wake up and like I'm I and I'm just navigating myself through my Saturday and it feels like I'm awake and my eyes are open, but everything from the neck down is still asleep. So I feel like I felt like Max Scherzer. So that yes. makes me feel like I'm on the. It, it makes me feel like I'm on the right track, because or your Max, body's falling apart. Either way, but if I feel like Mad Max, that means I'm doing something right because he can throw 95, and I mean I aspire to throw 95. I don't think you're going to get to the 95 threshold. I hate to tell you. I'll get there. You think so? Dude, that'd be pretty, I mean, that'd be pretty I, incredible. Dude, if I gain three miles per hour in the span of two weeks, I mean... That's a lot of climbing. That's a, I know, it's a lot of climbing, but, like, I mean, they call me Tarzan up here in Canada. <laughs> just, just give me a, just give me a, a vine, and, I'll, and I'll, do, I'll climb up the ladder, and I'll be pumping 100 soon enough. Hey, dude, if you do that, I can't wait to see you closing out a game six of the World Series next year for uh, the Angels or somebody. Oh, no, but here, here's the thing. If I ever throw 100, I'll probably be kind of like Tanner Rainey, where I, I throw 100, I just don't know where it's going. It might go like way, way up there. So like Kyle Tucker would swing at it, but nobody else would. Nobody else will. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of limited, but... At this point, I'm more of a spin rate guy. Like when you when you're pumping 63, like you got to rely more on your spin rate than anything else. And um, I think my Bauer units are pretty impressive too. Speaking of Kyle Tucker, did he? Uh, yeah, he struck out in his plate appearance tonight. Okay, just checking. All all is in order. Yeah, we're not big fans of Kyle Tucker on this show, are we? No, and I, and the thing is, it's not any kind of personal reason. We just don't think he's as good as everybody hypes him up to be. Thank it's you. pretty bright. Yeah. It's pretty black and white for us over here. Yeah. What did what? Where did we have him ranked on our uh, preseason um, prospect rankings? I think it was like close to the twenty spot. On um, on mine personally, because uh, we just so what we did for those of you who do either miss that episode or just don't remember, we did individual rankings and then we kind of like averaged them out and then just kind of ranked yeah, them yeah. by each other. I think I had him at like forty on mine. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I had him really low on mine, which I mean that's still high, mm. but that's relatively low for where he was actually ranked at. Yeah. But I think I think we had him at like twenty seven or twenty six, yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, when we were combining our lists, we're like, okay, Jared Kellenick, Nate Pearson, uh, Soroka. It's like, hey, are we going to put Kyle Tucker on this list or not? And I'm like, yeah, we'll get there. Casey Mize, Danny Jansen. So is Kyle Tucker a thing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. And eventually we put him somewhere. Just like, I don't know. I'm not a big Kyle Tucker believer and. It seems like a lot of his the holes in his game are being shown up in this series, and like he's not a bad baseball player. It just I don't think he's insanely good. No, like like um, MLB Pipeline suggests him to be. Next know? year might be next year might be the year he gets shipped out, especially if they don't resign Garrett Cole and they have to go make another new another move for another starter. Not that yeah. they'll have to because they'll have probably a Forrest Willie and they'll still have Granky and Verlander. But, I mean, just hypothetically, yep. if someone yep. had to get traded, and, he'd probably be the next in line. Yeah, and keep in mind Aaron Sanchez is hopefully going to be back eventually and maybe figure something out. And Lance McCullers is is going to be back from from Tommy John. He's already throwing off a mound. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I saw him throw two seamers and curveballs and off, off a hill. So I, I think saw the, I saw that was like today, wasn't it? The video that something, came out? yeah, something like that. So like Lance McCullers looks like he'll be, he'll be ready to throw by the start of spring training. Oh yeah, I would I would assume so. He'll probably yeah. be on the opening day roster. Yeah, dude, Lance McCullers on Twitter is awesome. Oh yeah, his his Twitter page is phenomenal. I, I love the interaction. Oh yeah, dude, and every time like an Astro like hits a home run, he calls him a G. Like I can't. I can't wait till like the off season comes and he can't hype up his teammates anymore. So he has to like hype up other people on Twitter. So he's like, my grandma's a G. She just made me like this really cool pasta dish, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I need to find myself Lance McCullers, um, just just for just to like boost my ego. Yeah. Um, but anyways, before we talk about Game Six, let's kind of recap this series, okay? okay. So. What do you th- so what happened? So game two, Washington controlled the series. Games three to five, Houston took over. What do you think Houston did to just just change the entire landscape of the World Series? Well, in game three, they went four for ten with runners in scoring position. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Game three, Washington went over ten. Okay. Skip ahead to game four here, um, Houston. Five for 13. Mm-hmm. Washington, one for nine. Yeah. Game five, two for five for Houston. Over for two for Washington. So I, I think the runners of scoring position has changed drastically uh, just from an execution standpoint. Because um, early on in the series, what you saw from Washington was, you know, they'd fall behind 0-2, 1-2, especially that I think they did it to the Verlander a lot in particular, you know, then it'd be, you know, single up the middle, you know, double, like double into the gap or, you know, they, they they come back and maybe draw a walk. Like they were very, they were able to extend the bat to get pitches that they could hit, even if they weren't hitting them hard, you know, they could get something over the shortstop's head or get it back up the middle, just find some grass, um, you mm-hmm. know, and just, and just so we can compare the games one and two totals. Um, let me pull them up here. So Washington in game two, you're looking at five for 12 in runners, with runners in scoring position, where Houston it was over five. Um, mm-hmm. Washington game one, two for nine. And I think Houston actually did better. So three for 12. So a little bit better, but not, not enough clearly to get the job done. You know, situational hitting. Uh, Houston left 11 on, you know, and the Washington only left four. So they executed. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know, a little bit better of a clip, in my opinion. So I, I think that's where a lot of the series um, has will kind of lie for each of these teams. Um, you know, yeah. and you, you could very easily look at it, you know, without the microscopes, like, oh, yeah, if you don't hit with runners in scoring position, you won't win. But in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, it turns a little bit into, you know, a little bit like the atmosphere, you know, and you're facing yeah. you know, the the better end of the crop for players. Mm-hmm. So you're Garrett Cole, Verlander, Granke, Strasburg, yeah. Scherzer, um, even mm-hmm. Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez have been pretty good. Well, Anibal Sanchez in particular um, up until, you know, his last start had been really good. So, I mean, there's not any mm-hmm. real pitching deficiencies, especially from the starting side, and those guys are going to eat a bulk of your inning. So you have to be able to execute when you get in those situations because you can't mm-hmm. rely on being able to continuously take, you know, Verlander deep for a solo shot or Garrett Cole hit two right. home runs, three home runs off him in a game. So if you get mm-hmm. someone second, you've got to be able to score them. And I, and I think – with this series in particular, with the amount of starting pitching we have, that's the area that these teams really need to focus on. And the teams that have, you know, minus, you know, game one, if you want to look at the numbers, and it was really close. Um, you look at the left on base, you know, Houston had seven more guys left on base, and that kind of told the story without the, the execution there. So I, I think for me personally, I think that's where this series really has been able to turn um, in each team's favor just on the ability to execute mm-hmm. in those high leverage situations. Yeah, and um, it's funny because um, Houston in particular, if you, uh, there was an article that Mike Petriello of MLB.com wrote after game two where um, he noted that the Houston Astros um, are hitting historically bad in this postseason with runners in scoring position, and then mm-hmm. it just seemed like everything clicked for them. The second they got to Washington, and yeah. uh, and um, just that player meeting they had after after losing game two, I don't know what was said. Maybe it was something like "Let's fucking go, let's start winning baseball games." Um, but they, it seems like they really figured it out. And another big thing was um, Alex Bregman was has not been swinging the bat well throughout these playoffs and then just a switch turned on when he got down to Washington and like, he looks like he's alive and Bregman's an MVP. I don't know if he's going to win the MVP this year or finish second. Either way, he's one of the best baseball players in the world and he's hitting right in the middle of that lineup. Um, and they really, really need Alex Bregman to produce. And he finally started doing that. And you can just see how big of an impact bat this dude has. And, even um, Alvarez, uh, Jordan Alvarez, he, I think he started the playoffs on like an 0 for 12 streak, and now he's just hitting everything, and he's just driving the baseball. Uh, Correa got a couple of hits. Uh, George Springer had a couple of hits, and like Jose Altuve looks like he can, he just keeps on hitting. Brantley looks unstoppable. So everything seems to just be really, really coming together for Houston at the right time, and even the bullpen looks good too. Too. So, like one of the questions we had with probably the only question we had with Houston going into um, the playoffs was the their bullpen. That after like Roberto Suna was kind of shaky near the end. Um, so how will he, Houston start like piecing things together after Gary Cole and Justin Verlander and Granke get out of the game? And it seems like they just figured everything out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. I, and I think this will be really interesting going into Game 6 in particular because both teams, you know, Washington really has to manage out by out. You mm-hmm. know, if if they get to Strauss early, 
you know, you can't really afford at this point to let him, you know, ride it out, you know, like, okay, like he's like, he can work through this. I mean, you're, you're looking at potential elimination right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think with Houston too, you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind, even though it's not solid, um, you know, look who you might have staring you in the face in game seven. I don't think that'll be a driving decision maker for them, but in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, like we've got Zach Granke. He was a pretty shaky. He was, you know, he played with fire a lot, as you said, Mm -hmm. uh, his last start. I um, mean, he made some pitches, uh-huh. got out of the jams, but you know, you have to kind of look at what lies ahead, and you really have to. I'm not gonna say push all your chips in, but you really got to make a push. They try to win it mm-hmm. in Game Six. Um, in Washington, yeah. you know, only they're gonna know the true health status of Max Scherzer and if he'll be available uh, going mm-hmm. into Game Seven. I would assume right now it's probably a little bit. Uh, I'd probably say it's under 50 percent chance that he'd be able to start, but you really have to go out by out from here on out to try to win these games yeah. and have all hands on deck, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting, especially if, you know, if we know tomorrow, like he's not going to be able to go, then, you know, they, they can shut him down and put somebody else on the roster, which might be beneficial for them. So, yeah, um, you know, especially if they I mean, out. So, yeah, I, I just can't even think of who they would add to the roster that would help them get some like quality outs, you know, like at, at this point, it just seems that. Other than um, Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle, like it just there's not much in that bullpen. Like Patrick right. Corbin, every now and then moves from like the rotation into the bullpen to get some outs, but just like who do you put in there? Rodney, um, Fernando Rodney has been. I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't really trust him in a game six. And Tanner Rainey, you just don't know what you're gonna get, you know, because the stuff is really good, but he just. He can just throw seven straight balls, or just can't just goes an entire outing without lo- being able to locate any of his stuff. So, right. I mean, in a in an elimination game, you're just left with two guys out of the pen who you really, really trust, and Patrick Corbin, who would, I mean, he would be coming out and pitching on short rest, right? Meanwhile, Houston, they have Osuna and Will Harris has been in- incredible so far. You have. Um, uh, Joe Smith, who has been really good. Um, who else is there? I mean, Presley has not been that bad, and he still has his power stuff. And uh, Jesus, who's the dude who started uh, game five, game four? Um, Jesus, come on, help Animal me out. Sanchez? No, no, game four for the Houston Astros. Oh, sorry, um, I'm, I'm reading national stuff. Um, oh no, no, uh, your Cueto or yeah, Jose Jose your 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 Quidi or some or yeah, uh, I, I have I no idea. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I completely forgot. Um, but dude, that guy's stuff looked nasty. Yeah, I know how to pronounce his last name, but like his stuff looked really really good. Like I was I was rewatching some of his highlights and just watching some pitch uh, pitch ninja stuff after the game, and I'm like, okay, this guy has some nasty stuff, and everything was working that game. Like he has his fastball that gets up to like 96. He has two different types of breaking balls, you know. So he looked real good. Like I was I just like rewatched his highlights, and it just seems like the Nationals just felt uncomfortable the entire game. Like he yeah. kept every hitter off balance the entire game for the five innings that he pitched. So just having that extra weapon there, like Houston seems like they have everything they need right now to close it out at home in in Houston, you know? And I also have no idea like why I feel like Washington's not phased anymore by just any sort of deficit after how their entire season has gone. Absolutely. But yeah, you know, but just coming back, you were up to nothing. You just blow that, and it's three two now, and you're coming back to Houston. 
I don't really know what they're going to be, how they're going to be feeling. It seems like Steven Strasburg is like the perfect guy to have on the mound if you're Washington because he looks like that even keel. You don't really know what he's thinking. He's just so calm on the mound. So it's good that he's there pitching that game. But after that, it's just going to be super interesting to see how they piece everything together and the bats are going to have to come through for Houston because they got to wake up if they want to even get to a game seven. Yeah, and, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to jump on Verlander. They're gonna have to keep the same approach. Um, yeah. You know, keep fighting off pitches, and they're just gonna have to hunt. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't. You gotta go up there with a plan. And you have to stick to it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, you're gonna have some situations. You're gonna have to adapt. You know, if you're hunting fastballs, but he, you're up there for your third, you know, third time through the order, and you, you're a guy that hadn't seen one fastball yet. You, although you're probably not gonna see one if that's the way they're gonna keep pitching. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be able to adapt, but. I, I think for Washington, it's, you're going to have to get to him early and have mm-hmm. to get to the bullpen. Um, yeah, you know, because if you could do that, you can wear the bullpen down and have to, and you get to Game Seven, and you can do kind of what you did to Granky and force the issue with him and make him get mm-hmm. him in some uncomfortable positions, get some high yeah. leverage pitches. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be their best way of winning. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no. I don't think Strasburg throwing eight innings and then turning it over to whoever you want to give it to in the ninth, whether it's Doolittle or Hudson or whoever. Um, I don't think that's going to really serve as much help for game seven. I mean, the bullpen will be fresher, but that bullpen only has like three guys that they're going to turn to, and then they'll probably use some of their starters before they do that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I, I think for them, it, offensively, like you said, it's going to have to be, you know, where they're going to try to win this, especially game six with Verlander. Yeah. Yeah, and especially Rendon, he's been really quiet offensively this this entire yeah, series. Right. Uh, yeah. Trey Turner, like those guys, have to just really, really step up right now. Like Howie Kendrick has just been a no show so far after just balling out in the NLCS. So yeah. they really need those guys to step up. And before we get to um, predicting what's going to happen, let's quickly touch on. Uh, game five because game five had a little bit of everything. It had Garrett Cole firing a hundred on pitch one oh one. Um it had Joe Ross randomly pitching. Um it had obscene gestures from the crowd um at the certain part point in the game. So it had a little bit of everything. But the question I have for you, do you think game five is the last we see Garrett Cole in a Houston Astros jersey? I do. Um, so here, here's my thing. If right now you look at, especially the Astros payroll, um, Garrett Cole's on the books. I think it's for 13 and a half million this year. Um, he's going to get 30 million a year on the open market. Now for the, the amount of time, I don't know if he'll get 10 years. Um, I, I'm sure they'll push for that, but he'll get 28 to 33 to $34 million on the open, open market. So I, I don't see where they can afford the extra $15 million and still be able to afford ex- extend guys that are going to be post-ARB in a couple years. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say yes. Uh, there are some teams out west in particular that I think are going to really be looking at making some expensive purchases is what, what I'll refer to them as in free agency mm-hmm. um, with yeah. you know the Angels and the Padres. Um, there's... A team in New York that might try to go. Actually, there might be two teams in New York that might try to go get him. But um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of options for Garrett Cole right now in terms of teams that that will be knocking on his door. I don't think it'll be, um, you know, 
10 to 15 teams, but the, the teams that want him will go and make a heavy run and will drop the check. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if the Astros can afford to lock up another, you know, 25 million plus, we'll go to even 20 million plus pitcher because uh, they've yeah. got Lander on the books for 33. And uh, mm-hmm. Greg, I think, is sitting at like 24, 25. Um, I just don't think they can afford to lock up, you know, 75 million plus in pitching and still be able to re- to keep guys like Springer and Bregman and Altuve. Um, yeah. Forward. And realistically, right. Garrett Cole is. Yeah. And realistically, Garrett Cole is going to be looking at something between like 35 and 40 million AAV. Right. <laughs> right. So it just doesn't make sense for Houston to spend them. Garrett Cole is really, really good. And we can make a very valid case that he is the best pitcher in baseball and his stuff is electric and he's 29, which is just a great age for pitchers. Um, over the past two, three seasons, his workload has been really, really high. Um, so that's a little bit of a worry, but also just like we touched on it, the Houston Astros are going to have Verlander and Granke leading their rotation next year. And Lance McCullers is going to be back. And, um, Aaron Sanchez is eventually going going to get healthy, and they have Forrest Whitley coming up to coming up, and Jose or Quidi or whatever his last name is. Um, like he looked really good, and he could uh, step in there as well. It's just like the Houston Astros have what it takes right now to build an entire five man rotation without even getting into the off season where they can sign a random free agent to like a one year deal or sign mm-hmm. somebody else, you know, it just doesn't make sense for them to spend that money. Um, that being said, I feel like um, if he, if this series does go to a game seven, I think it's going to be all hands on deck. And I think Houston's just going to have to, especially with Garrett Cole, they're going to just empty the clip. They're going to, you just squeeze everything he's got he's got left in that arm for game seven because I think Houston knows that I don't that it's just unlikely that they're gonna bring Garrett Cole back. So at uh, for game seven, I don't know how long Granky is gonna go. I can't picture him going six innings. I don't even know if he's gonna go five. Yeah, so I, I think cap at five. Yeah, I think it's just gonna be like four or five innings max. And at that point are you really going to lose that game with Garrett Cole sitting on the bench the entire time? You know, I just can't picture it. No, Garrett... not, le- not unless they're up by 10. Exactly. Unless they're up by 10. But if it's a close game, especially right. if it goes to, if you like, if it goes to extra innings, Garrett Cole's going to pitch. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Garrett, it would be sick to see Garrett Cole close out game seven, too. That would be badass imagine like this dude's go walking into free agency with a historic season probably a Cy Young a World Series ring and closes out game seven of the World Series as well that's badass that's the best season I can ever just think of for a pitcher yeah and and I, I I do think you know like like we uh discussed or I'm looking at something here to pull this up um Dude, you've got numbers that, coming out of everywhere. I do, yeah. I um, I definitely think that when the time comes to make that decision, if they already haven't, um, you have to look at two things. One, what will your offense look like whenever it's time to, you know, make this decision? So right now you look at, the years left on arbitration for some of these guys. 
what amount of money will be coming off the books once they get ready to resign, and you have to kind of forecast it and be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we can't really afford this, or we can, you know, and, and there's going to have to be some sacrifice, especially by the mm-hmm. time some of these guys, other guys, get ready to hit free agency. Free agency yeah. have Granky, Berlander, and Cole on the books. Like you, you just can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it'll be tough. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm looking here at um, the what day? What day is oh, what day is opening day next year? Do you remember? I mean, off the top of my head, let's pretend it's April 3rd or something. I well, have no idea. The Maybe actual, March 28th. I, I think it, I think it's March 26th. Okay, that was close. And if that's the case, which I'm looking at it, it doesn't have a significant date marker on here. But if that's the yeah. case, uh, I believe that. Uh, Garrett Cole will be opening up the season next year at Minute Maid Park as a member of the Angels, receiving his World mm-hmm. Series ring and pitching. That's super them. convenient. Yeah, and pitching against them in the same day. Would that be like a cool thing for the Angels to add in their free agency pitch? You can get you can get your World Series ring with the rest of your teammates on opening yeah. day. Yeah, and, Just... then, and then and then pitch against them. And then pitch against them and mow them down and win like five nothing or something. Yeah. And strike them out fifteen, eighteen times that yeah, game. And, and, then... and oh, I really so... think that that's the that's the day because the from the twenty second to the twenty fourth they play the Dodgers at home and then they turn around and they play the next day at Dodger Stadium and then at Dodger Stadium and they don't have the times listed yet for those. So mm-hmm. to be determined. So I think those are still spring training games. Yeah. And then, I think yeah, I, I, yeah, Hashro's home opener is two two days later. So yeah, I think I think that's their home opener next year's at Minute Maid Park for the Angels, wow. or the road opener, home opener for the Astros. There we go. That would be an ultimate troll move if the Angels get him and just have him there. That would be funny. I'd I'd oh. love to see it. Oh yeah. Okay, oh. I can confirm that is opening day. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, that that would be pretty pretty yeah. cool. But that being said. That being said, as the representative of Blue Jays Nation, Jared Cole, we will welcome you in Canada with open arms. It's really cold up here. It's really, really cold up here. and But I'm, I'm certain you will enjoy it up here. We have the Toronto Raptors. We have... And, and Kawhi Leonard. We... Oh, shut up. Um, we don't have Kawhi Leonard. Oh, come on. Um... We got Vladdy, who's going to be lifting for the first time ever this offseason, which is a cool <laughs> thing. Uh, we have Nate Pearson, who is pretty much Justin Verlander. Um, what else do we have up here in Canada? We have the CN Tower, which you can climb up and, and like look down from, and that's really cool. I just, I just won't ever do it because I'm scared of heights, and I think it's super, super crazy and stupid. Um, and we have moose. We have a lot of moose. We have a lot of beavers. We have a lot of fishing. Um, that's my pitch for uh, Justin Ver- uh, for uh, Gary Cole. We're gonna we're also gonna win the World Series in 2022. So being a part of that is a really really cool experience, guaranteed. I um I, I'll you know kind of relay the message to him if I if I talk to him, but um uh huh I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's gonna happen. Oh, I I know, but I I hope the I hope the Jays just at least like try, you know. That would be neat. Like knowing Garrett Cole even travels up here to Toronto for a meet for a free agency meeting. That's a cool feeling. You think that Garrett Cole's gonna be coming to Toronto? No, 
for the meeting, they're definitely no. going to his house. No, they're gonna they're gonna go to his house and hopefully not leave until he signs a contract. <laughs> just stay there. Just camp just out in the front yard in a tent. Yeah, just have Mark Shapiro sit on like a sofa by his bed and stare at him while he sleeps, just with a contract on his lap, waiting. Just put that just would... puts like seven copies of them just in random places. <laughs> <laughs> Give him whatever he wants. Um Although, although, if Garakult owns a pit bull, that would be a problem because I don't think you're allowed to own a pit bull in Canada. I don't I think, think he, he's, a bull. He, so, well, he's, I, he's a bull, so I don't know if he could even go to Canada. That's, oh, Jesus, that's true. But, like, imagine, I, because I think Colby Rasmus had that issue when he was in, with the Blue Jays. He had, a, he had pit bulls, and they just weren't allowed to cross the border with him, so he really hated it here in, in, in Toronto. Um, but imagine, like, everything's working out. Ken Rosenthal's like, it's very close to happening. The Jays are about to land uh, Garrett Cole from like eight years, two billion dollars, and then <laughs> there's a and then Joel Joel Sherman just reports, oh, there's a snag, and everyone's like, oh god, it's a physical. Like, what happened now? And then somebody else, like Jeff Passan, reports, ah, Garrett Cole has a pit bull. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'd jump he, off a cliff. He's signing. He's signing with the Yankees. Yeah, I'd I'd jump off a cliff instantly. There's no other way around it. We got Imagine. we got to get a wafer for this, right? Yeah. Oh, screw that. But yeah, I yeah, it's it would be horrible. Anyways, what's gonna happen in Game Six, Treyway? I'm gonna go. Washington gets to Verlander. They pull it out and they push it to seven. You're gonna see Garrett Cole. And Max Scherzer on the mound in the fifth inning of Game 7. And I'm going to go with the Astros in 7. Okay. Very specific. I, I think, yeah, that's super specific. Do you have like a f- final score um, prediction for both games then? Might as I'm going well. go, to go 5-3 Washington. And I'm going to go 6-2 Houston. Okay. I'm going to... I was going to say 5-3 Houston in Game 6. I think Verlander is going to be able to figure it out a little bit. And I think Houston's going to close in six games at home. At some point, someone's going to have to win at home. And I think it's going to happen in game six. I'm going to go with game seven still. I'm sticking to my guns. Okay, so I love your guns. Um, Anyways, who's your your MVP pick? Michael Brantley. Okay. I picked before the series started. I picked Carlos Correa, so it was kind of nice seeing him hit a bomb today. Um, let's see. Um, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Jose Altuve. I think he's gonna do it. Okay, that would be, be neat. That's my prediction. Um, okay. Yeah, man. Um, anything else we should cover before we sign off? It's like oh. one o'clock in the. It's like one a.m. up here in Toronto. So, I I got one thing. Sure. Um, how do you feel? Watch. I'm just gonna say it. So, I believe in baseball with the rate at which guys are hitting home runs and they're trying to use that to facilitate their offense, especially in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, people are valuing the the home run and putting less focus on like the strikeout clips for guys. Um, so just quick number here, 
the I believe this is done an average per game strikeouts per game for an offense this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Astros struck out on average a little under seven and a half times a game, and that was the best in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Fourth best in baseball was the Washington Nationals, and mm-hmm. they struck out just a tad over eight times per nine. Um, the yeah. worst were these. Oh, the Blue Jays. We'll go the four worst. No, but you'll see the so, correlation I'm getting at here. Okay. Okay. Oh, Blue, Blue Jays are close actually, but they're not. They're not in the, the four worst. Hey, that's big. Yeah, that's big. Let's go, baby. The Rangers World Series champs, 2022. Let's go. The Rangers, the Mariners, the Padres, and the Tigers were the worst at strikeouts per game. Playoff teams in the top 10 best in terms of lowest clip, the Dodgers, the Twins, the A's, um, the Nationals, and the Astros. Yeah. So I see a correlation there. I'm not, I haven't done any kind of study, but I, see, I yeah. definitely see a correlation there. So yeah. it's kind of putting that out there for those who are listening. There's obviously way more that goes into it, but just yeah. putting that out there. Well, here's my thing on that. Um, I know a lot of, and I'm a big, big on analytics as well. And I'm, I know a lot of analytics guys say that striking out is just the same as any other type of out. But from a from another perspective, the more you put the ball in play, the greater the chance of you getting more hits, right? Yep. So, I mean, if you strike out a ton, you don't have a chance to get the ball in play so you just don't have a chance to get on base you know so i think i i think that just how things work in baseball i think it's it's cyclical you know um there there was a time when hitting and and lots of contact was the way to win games and then it switched over to lots of home runs which led to a, a lot of strikeouts. And I think it's eventually just going to go back to being a more of a contact game. And the more I, I just think that's the, just the cycle of baseball. And yeah. you can just see it. A, a lot of teams are now, at least the ones that are competing, they're making contact. The Houston Astros make a lot of contact. They put yeah. pressure on the defense. They put the ball in play. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. I agree striking out is exactly the same as any other out, but you got to get the more you get the ball in play, the greater the chance you have to get on base. I don't 100% agree with that. With what I'm saying? Well, with the whole like striking out is the same as any other out. So like, yeah, well, I guess by based on what I said, striking out isn't the same as any other out because at least when you hit a grounder, you have a chance of getting on base right there's we'll a bigger see, chance of you getting on base and it's a bap and like even just looking at bapip right the more you put the ball in play the better the bigger the chance you have to have a higher bapip but at the same time it might be it might lead to an even lower bapip you never know but i just think that hitting the ball more you have a, just more chances to get hits well so think of it in terms of productivity okay so think yeah. about this we'll go <sighs> Uh, we'll only set up a situation here. So we'll go runner at second, yeah. and we'll go no outs. Okay. Okay. So you have Wilson Ramos at second base, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. 
you know, so guy strikes out. There's well, even still, we'll go with we'll go with one out, or you know, or however you want to look at it. So we'll go one. Okay, front one out, runner at second. It's Wilson Ramos, probably one of the slowest guys in the league. Um, yeah. Ball hit to the right side, advances him to third, and he's out. Mm-hmm. But if single score now, yeah. So, yeah. but if you have two outs and he's still second. He's not going to score a single because he is literally slower than molasses. So now you're relying on two hits with yeah. two outs rather than, you know, just one base hit. So, I mean, like, there's it's situational stuff for me that applies um, a little bit deeper to where, like, the some of the outs can be more meaningful. Um, just, mm-hmm. You know, and outs and out, but if it offers productivity and gets you out of certain situations or a sack fly or, you know, something that moves the runner. I'm not not to say like people should butt all the time. Like that's not what I'm getting at. But like never the, bunt. The, never yeah, bunt. the ability to move the runner, it to me is like more valuable than a strikeout. And so to me, you can't place the value of you know a strikeout. It's the same as a, a sack fly to get the guy over and running a slow guy over and running that's in scored position that's very slow running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so to me, like there's value in putting the ball in play and making the out as long as it's a productive out. But if it's not a productive out, then literally like striking out or hitting a fly ball to center field with nobody on literally is the same. Mm -hmm. But I think situationally there's different ways to evaluate it to where it adds Mm -hmm. another dimension to your team and gives your your team a better chance at scoring because of Mm -hmm. the attributes that are on the bases that are in the dugout or how your team's constructed. Yeah, I, I, I do. I completely agree. Uh, it's funny. Before we started recording, I was uh, we talked about how long this podcast is going to be, and and just I think we spit out the numbers thirty thirty five minutes, and now we're at closing in on the one hour mark. Are we really? Yeah. What the hell happened, man? Time just flies when you're having fun with Bay. You know. You know. It's funny because we have gone over the hour mark each of the last two pods, and I don't think before. Yeah. We've ever had a pod that went over the like the fifty-one minute mark or something like that. Yeah, one would say we have chemistry. The other would say we don't know how to shut up. That's that's true. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, we should wrap this one up. But before we do, I really want to read to you what it says on my monster drink. There's okay. like um, there's um, a little story on on the side of this drink, and I thought it was funny. I looked at it. For a second and i want to read it to you and for all of our listeners here we go dating to the ancient song dynasty white tea was reserved for royalty and only served by virgins as a symbol of honor and respect enter the dragon we combined the finest white tea black tea and dragon fruit and brewed up a new monster dragon tea fit for an emperor or an empress but available to all virgins not required Monster Dragon Tea is a triple threat with a killer mix of white tea, black tea, dragon fruit, and our badass monster energy blend. Unleash the beast. Unleash the beast. That's gangster. It's 1 a.m. This is the last. This is the worst time for unleashing the beast. Well, I hope you don't don't have anything to do tomorrow. I have work. Yeah, me too. It's going to be a long day tomorrow. It's going to be a long day. Um, But... Uh, some fun stuff is happening this week, so um, hopefully good things happen, and hopefully, I, hopefully I don't stay up until five in the morning now. But good we'll luck. see. Yeah, I might text you at like three in the morning, going like, "Oh my god, the beast has been unleashed! What am we're I gonna doing?" Start, we're gonna start talking about prospect video in about thirty minutes. I'm not gonna get any sleep tonight. 
Oh, that would be dope. Because I still have some stuff to do before I go to bed, so this is good. But probably not the best thing for you. But I'll try to leave you alone. That's okay. I'll stay up for you. Anyways. um, Oh, there's also a French side to this, but I'm not going to read that to you. That would just sound weird. Do you know French? Like, I took French in in, uh, elementary school and in middle school. But I, I just feel like it would be weird if I read in French. Fun fact: I uh, I applied for an internship, um, a player development one with us with an undisclosed team, and oh, uh, oh this is funny. <laughs> it asked me my uh, it asked me my uh, fluency level in Spanish, and I answered the question in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get it. And the rest of my and the rest of my on that. is in English. Just based on that, I hope you get it. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I, I think I think that I approve my point. Yeah, I, I would definitely hire you. Dude, I, I, potentially... thought, I thought that was innovative. I yeah, dude. If if anybody wants innovation on in their organization, paying Treywick's the way to go. <laughs> Let's hope that the the thirteen teams that I've applied for positions with and Team USA agree. Yeah. That would yeah, that would be ideal. They should all fight for you. Good luck. Uh, because I'm gonna be right there with them fighting for you. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good to them I, you. Um anyways, dude, we should wrap this up, man. Yes, sir. It's been a blast. Um yeah. I, I have no idea when the next episode of Pitching to Contact is gonna be, but we'll figure something out. Um, probably post World Series if I were to guess. Yeah, sometime post-World Series. That's probably a really good guess. So, anyways, on that note, um, this has been Pitching to Contact. Have a good night, slash have a good morning whenever you are listening to this. Um, And until next time, go Jays.